happened, how this album come about, was there's this record label in Holland and they wanted to do the very first Atonement album, which was on a cassette. They, they loved it in Europe, so I said, yeah, whatever. But I couldn't find the masters, you know what I mean? And so I, I said, I'll look, I'll dig through my archive. And there's 3,000 songs. And so I had to dig through them, but I still couldn't find them. But last year, I remember, um, I'd done all this new music. Um, so amongst all that lot came this album, basically. So it was like from 3,000, and some of them are interpretations of stuff we put on earlier albums, the dub, eight-on dub greatest hit so it came about trying to find the masters for this um what they're going to do only on vinyl in holland this record label so that's how this album came about Listening to 89.7 Eastside Radio. You're here with Josh, and I have the privilege of being joined with Andy Fitzgerald, aka A Tone. Welcome, Andy. Hello there, Josh. Just got a little bit closer to the microphone, brother. Hello. We're just listening to one of your tracks, Keep On, Gina M. Mix. Gina Mitchell, the legendary, brilliant singer. She features on a couple of these tracks of Atone Greatest Dub Hits that you've released recently and yes. is our album of the week this week. Thank you very much. Radio. Who is Gina M? Gina Mitchell, she's been in quite a few bands. Um, just a legendary singer. She worked a lot with Ali Omar on um, legendary four albums that he put out, which hopefully will be re- released soon. Um, for people who don't know, Ali Omar was the man about town in the 90s, 2000, 
legendary electronic producer and uh, unfortunately died but um, hopefully quite soon they're going to re re-release all his albums that, that are amazing where, where did you meet Ali? actually years ago I was 17 in the legendary that's my favourite word legendary nightclub pits in Manchester I was 17 he was, must have been 22 or 23 so yeah we met there all them years ago and for whatever reason our paths always crossed in London I lived with him in London and then in um, in Sydney and we started to work work together musically we did gigs in London and around there and then we moved to Sydney both independently it's just weird one of them things Ali was from Toxteth from Liverpool and I was from Manchester so two northerners we were really 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 lucky because I used to roadie for all the punk bands when I was 14 like for the jam Buzzcocks the Slits all of them so it was a great time and obviously at that time it was Joy Division New Order and then Happy Mondays and the Hacienda, Rob Breton, the madness of um, 24-hour party people. So, yeah, I was amongst all that. It was brilliant. It was a great time for musicians. Because I used to live in Hume um, and I used to work, you, it was like this crazy sort of um, housing commission presence that was massive. But it had a lot of studios there, a lot of bands. Um, Mick Hucknow lived there before he got famous and some of the members of The Fall. A lot of bands that came out of this place called Hume because it was like a concrete jungle. And you could build a studio and have it as loud as you want. And... Um, you, you, you won't get noise complaints and I used to work in a dub studio there with Benji Rastafarian guy so I used to just do the um, teas and coffees for all the bands they'd come in and do dub plates just to try and learn from him I was I was never I was never as good as him you know what I mean but I just loved that whole dub dub thing I mean they were just amazing at, at, at production and mixing the tunes up and not with a lot of gear they just had the vibe so yeah, that's where my sort of musical career started. Who was the first kind of big artist you saw? Oh no, maybe not big artist, but someone that, that kind of got well, your ear. Well, it's strange. My um, I got asked to see Joy Division rehearse before they got famous, and I went, ah, they're crap. You know what I mean? Now they're my favourite band, so I had the chance to go and see him rehearse. Yeah, no, no. So because um, I was more into a Bowie and Iggy Pop, Lou Reed. I always thought Joy Division were a bit of a downer, but now I just love them, so my um, taste changed. And I was into New Romantics as well, Gary Newman, Kraftwerk, all that vibe. Just unbelievable, yeah, just, I think, just a once-in-a-lifetime band, them, them two albums, just um, amazing. This song is the only song that reminds me of Manchester in that time, it has that, I don't know how they did it, but it has the essence of Manchester for me, this song. 
I was lucky enough to live with Eric Random in Manchester as well. He used to, he used to, um, when he did gigs, what was it called? Eric Random and the Bedlamites, or he was in another band. He used to play with Joy Division when they did a lot of gigs on on the same um, night. But I used to live with him, and uh, Manchester was a weird place then, because I remember walking through Hume, this really rough, like industrial dystopian nightmare <laughs> housing commission place and we're walking through and this lady comes past and I'm with me mate and she goes Victor do you know where I can get on Victor and he goes no fuck off and I go oh who's that Vic and he says oh that's Nico and I said yeah obviously not Nico from uh, the Velvet Underground and he went yeah because she lived in Manchester and she lived there so it was just it was just a weird place with all these yeah, it was the best time to live there. It was just brilliant for music and all these artists lived there. And I lived with Eric Random, who was in um, Nico's band at the time. They did touring all over the world. So, yeah, it was, it was a great, it was an amazing time, that period. Yeah, the 80s, early 90s. And they, and they, and they did the Hacienda, which, of course, just lost them loads of money. <laughs> Factory records. They were all completely bonkers. So I did a few gigs there, um, yeah, yeah. It was, it was a great time, and I I loved them people because basically they were all anarchists, you know what I mean? And they had some hits, so they had all this money, and they just put it back into the community, mm-hmm. to the mu- musicians. So um, yeah, it was a great great time. Did you support any of those those guys? Apparently, apparently, I can't remember <laughs> their first gigs. Apparently, Stone Roses. And the Happy Mondays, but I have no recollection. Must have been, not, must have been a good time. Yeah, not none at all. Do you still speak to Eric? Um, I haven't spoken. I'm still sort of in touch in a roundabout way. Um, but that, I left in crazy circumstances. Because um, poor Eric, because I came from Hume and came to Disborough in his house and everyone who came with me were all the lunatics and alcoholics and addicts and we lived upstairs and we were just like this just a crazy gang I suppose and you know Eric's cool and an artist and also he had to work so it's unfortunate what he had to you know we'd be playing like with a, a proper sound system upstairs partying 24 hours he must have done his head in you know what I mean? And yeah, it was just crazy times. You know, we'd come upstairs and, you know, it was like curricular. You know, it's like, gee. And it wasn't even me, I was quite quiet. It was all my friends. It was just bonkers. How, how did you go playing sound systems in, the, in where you were living? Well, no, it was just friends' turn. Oh, that was my friend Manny. He went, Andy, I've got my hands on a brilliant sound system. Let's put it here. And, you know, it was like we can judge what the sound is going to be like. And it was just in a, a normal, um, semi-detached 
quite upmarket housing place and we had this massive big sound system in there like big enough for the hacienda <laughs> just like vibrated i was great again yeah it's great were you, were you mixing and mastering and, and you, you weren't pressing stuff for yourself were you? no we weren't pressing stuff uh, for ourselves we was just like writing music at the time just really hard writing music yeah and asking when any of eric's friends come would go down and like the guy from Cabaret Voltaire, I say, oh, I'm sorry to disturb you. Can you just come up and have a listen and just give us some advice, please? And, and Eric's friends would come up, listen to a few tunes and say, yeah, carry on. That's sounding all right, mate. So it's great having Eric down there. So did he have did he have influence on you supporting guys like Stone Roses and Happy no, Monday? No, no, because, um, you know, that was... Eric's scene was a bit different than our scene. He was more electronic and a lot more arty and a lot more, you know, he was just on another level as a result. He was playing the Joy Division, you know what I mean, and the Fall and all that, Eric. So, um, but he had an influence as just the way he acted. He was just cool. He was just one of, you know, you meet them people who are just cool. Yeah. Like the press used to phone him up all the time. And he'd yeah. say, Andy, if anyone phones me up, just hang up on it. Like, you know, it's just like, didn't care about any about all that. He just wanted to write music. So he still do, I mean, he's really big in, in Germany and stuff. So he still, he still does it. It's just one of them cool, really nice, cool people. You, you, uh, you, you threw me a song by The Fall, the new Big <gasps> Prince. Oh. Oh, a quick, quick story, the fall, the drummer, when we lived in that Hume, the drummer and Mark Coyle, who influenced me from Dub Sex, they just got on the mic and the drummer got on the drummer in the little studio we had and then just jammed for about four hours and it was the most manic jamming I've ever heard in my life. It was brilliant, anyway. When was, do you know I did, when, oh when God, that was? I must have been in the late 80s, early 90s. Just around where you were hanging in, out in New Manchester, yeah. it was a big, massive, big crescence. These brutalist buildings are built right next to the city of Manchester, so no one w w wanted to live there. A lot was empty, so you get a lot of squatters and musicians. You build a studio there because it was so solid. So there's loads of studios there, a lot of artists. You got left alone because everyone thought you were crazy to live there. So it was a great place for artists. Drink the long trap, drink the long trap for big 
Mark E. Smith, a wild, wild character. Did you see The Fall Live? No. No. I, I, I was just so bad at watching bands. I, don't, it's cra- I mean, I did, luckily I did the rodium, rodium when I was young, but um, no. I, sad, isn't it? Oh, you saw the Joy Division while they were rehearsing? <laughs> no, no, Bad. I didn't see them when they were rehearsing. I got asked to see them when they were rehearsing, and I went, oh, yeah. Joy Division? I think I've seen them when they were Walsall in the nightclub pips. I went, nah, they're crap. My biggest regret of my life. I could have seen them, you know what I mean? And it's my favourite band now, Joy Division. Yeah, those two records are... But Space Cambodian Project, you know what I mean? They're, to me, they're really good as well like really raw as well they've got a raw. great bass great drummer Julian on the guitar and a, and, and a really good new singer yeah it's rare that you hear something that sounds like it's been around for yeah. forever you know yeah yeah it's incredible so so yeah uh, we were talking about Sydney Sydney before having that kind of in the 90s yeah kind of raw raw party kind of scene but um tough tough for artists to get their stuff out there which i guess would was why the club scene was was good in sydney because it forced people it to, to just play it was great Cancellas, soho bar um just so many places just so many it was great oxford street was buzzing the gay scene yeah let I me mean, go to some crazy clubs in oxford street and yeah, really good DJs doing some really good mixes. Um, Groove Scooter, Clan Analog. Um, you know, people like Jeff Dread. Yeah, it's great. And they're all coming back now as well, which is good to, to hear. Like Jeff Dread just did a gig recently. And they, these are great artists. Do you get to some of those sound systems that have been put on in the in Newtown, Marrickville, and stuff like that? They've it's, they've been building it up pretty big. Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I think I'm on the outer. <laughs> are you into Are you into that stuff still? Or are you I, just I, like I, I riding? Mean, no, I do go, um, but I love it when I'm sort of. Um, I love the dub sound systems when I'm in Thailand. Yeah. Like the really obscure ones that they do. But there's only about eight people there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they've got this massive big sound system. Yeah. So I've been to a few of them, which I really enjoy, because it's completely bonkers. Yeah, yeah. And they just do it for the love of it. You know, there's no egos involved. You know what I mean? And like, I want to play next. Get up, move over. I'm going to play for 10 hours because I'm the best DJ. It's like them cats just do it and don't care. I love it. You sent me something from a guy called Luch Vertigo. Luch. Yes. Was that pronounce? Did I pronounce that right? I'm terrible at pronouncing it. Luch Ver- Vertigo. Luch yeah, Vertigo. he's like a young cat from Sydney, and I've been really liking his stuff. You know what I mean? He's another one, no ego. He's just a young. Been doing it since seventeen, and just does his music. But some of it's really good, and it's from Sydney. So you just you you're you're searching, listening oh, to stuff constantly. Yeah, well. I, my music's so varied. A lot, I love a lot of stuff from um, Asia. Mm-hmm. Like some of the new stuff from Asia is amazing. Thailand and Korea, especially. You you get some really sort of yeah. So my music's really varied. 
I'm interested in this Cambodian thing. I'm gonna have to get over there. I did. I did see a lot of like interesting jazz and um, electronic stuff when I was in northern Thailand. But I gotta get over and oh yeah, yeah, check it out. Check it out. It's um, what's the, what's um, Ross Ross Arais Sathya? That's oh, old. you said it right. Yeah. Oh, she's well, fifties, sixties, um, early seventies. Just the these were the best singers in Cambodia with with that guy as well just unbelievable singers with with the influences from Javanese old Khmer folk um, French French rock and roll Vietnam America Thailand so it was a real big melting pot really big melting pot and they come up with well for me I think the best music in the world in the 60s early 70s psychedelic rock and roll folk jazz just all sorts but it was so a care sort of twist to it and and their voices it's just well for, for me that singer's the best singer in the world rosseray sathia yes you pronounce that correctly. <laughs> i was practicing Ros- i was practicing Ros- before <laughs> rosseray sathia well there done. you go Hopefully, in three months, I'll be traveling around Southeast Asia and I'll be doing um, Beyond the Clouds album I've just put out, and that's more vocals, downbeat, like a bit Leonard Cohen, Lou Reed, and I'll be taking that in Southeast Asia. And I'll be doing bars and CD joints and places you're not supposed to go if you're a tourist and doing gigs there. I did it last year and it worked because um, I gave up music for a bit, so I, I thought I'd take my guitar, 
little mixing desk and see how it goes in Cambodia and Thailand in seedy places and where uh, crazy people are murderers and just sing to them and it went really really good I didn't get anything thrown at me and I'm still here and it went down quite well so I thought excellent you you mentioned before um, before we came on that you found uh, found out about a Cambodian Melbourne oh yeah when, when I was in Cam- when I was in Cambodia I discovered how good Cambodian music was just unbelievable from the 60s and early 70s just just the best music and when I was there they told me about an Australian Cambodian band Cambodian Space Project I'd never heard and then I heard them and man they're just such a good band like uh, I think the, the guitarist Gillian I think he's from Tasmania just one of them mind-blowingly I mean I'm one of their favourite fans they're just so bloody good should we have a listen, listen to a, oh, yes. a track? Here Comes the Rain off their album Whiskey Cambodia. Yeah, I love this tune. Cambodian Space Project, what an incredible voice. Unbelievable. And sadly, yeah, she died a few years back in Phnom Penh. Heartbreaking, yeah. man. But um, they're playing um, at Wong Madelaide, so anyone, you should go and see them there. March next year. March next year. One of the best bands ever. Unbelievable. Yeah, that, that, that's, a, that's a gem. I'm just... You've only just introduced me to them. I hadn't yeah, heard of them same, before. Same as me. I never heard mm. of them until I was in Phnom Penh. And then someone said, oh, have you heard of 
come out in space project. I went, no. Let's listen to the deadly Hume. You were just showing me photos of Hume before, and uh, I guess you'd call them housing commission. Yeah, uh, housing commissions in England, it's different than here. There's stigma attached to housing commissions here. And Mm. in England, there isn't. It's weird. Um, So it's, I mean, they have rough estates, really rough, but there's not stigma associated with it. You know, you're not classed as a loser. Like here, it's like basically now it's for the, it's not for the working poor, it's for the mentally ill. Yeah, you're a loser living in a housing commission. And the past 30 years, housing commissions here have gone right down. Mm. It should be for the working poor. So, yeah, in England, the housing commissions over there, there's no stigma. And that particular housing commission estate, Hume, was a marvel to behold. The kitchen, one of the most famous nightclubs in Manchester, my mate Jamie ran it. Everyone used to go there, 808 State, Oasis. Everyone all went there. And it was on the top floor of, and he knocked, I think he knocked three houses together, holes, and created this old, old nightclub. One of the best nightclubs in Manchester. And when I went back to Manchester once, I went and he'd just been robbed of everything and he was sat in a milk crate. And I went, Jamie, are you okay? He went, yeah, I've just had a beer and two Valium. I've lost everything, but I'm not too bad. What a man. These people are my heroes. Amazing attitude. Lose everything and you're not insured. Hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of studio and equipment. And he's like, I've had two Valium and I've had a beer. It's okay. Let's see what that sounds like. There's a track on your Greatest Dub Hits release um, called Somewhere in France with Eric Random. It's actually, I'll say it quick, it was a story of me going with Eric Random to France with a, a manager called Alan Wise, mm-hmm. who, who, who used to um, manage, um, I think, Nico and a few other, uh, a few other people. And uh, 
he asked me to be a designated driver to go to France. He was putting all these bands on in Italy and Paris. So on the way down, we stopped off in Glastonbury because it, it was the festival. And then we pull up with all the artists there and we sat around the table. And Donovan was there on this table. And then Donovan started saying to Alan Wise, oh, have you got me roadie? And Alan Wise pointed to me and Donovan says, right, what's your name? Andy, okay, well, can you just tune the guitar like this, blah, 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 blah. Went on, then he left the table. And I said to Alan Wise, I said, well, Alan, what's all that about? He went, oh, just get stuffed, hate musicians, just ignore him. Like, they were completely bonkers. And he, I think he managed Donovan. So he said, oh, just forget him, you don't have to be his personal role there, musicians, get, let him get stuff, they spoil babies. So we went to Glastonbury, had a brilliant time. Then we went on to um, Paris. Um, this is, to be very random, and I spent all the money in a casino. Also, the money got, it's a long story, but the money got spent in Paris as well. And then I had a panic attack driving when I was a designated, so he, designated driver, so he wasn't happy Alan-wise. And um, they went off with um, Alan Delon and Nico's son. Um, really nice guy. Um, they disappeared with him, and I ended up with Alan White's wife, and she spent all the money on perfume and everything. So basically, we had no money left, and I got blamed for the whole episode. And um, that's, that's the story behind this tune. But I did write back to Alan White before he died. And he says, yeah, the further one gets from home, the crazier one becomes. That's what he said on his email back to me. Because he apologised for spending all the money. and a bit dark you know um, wasn't getting fun anymore you know so I just thought oh, I had the opportunity to live in Australia I thought I'm gonna go there and Ali must have had the same idea how did yeah. how did that come about how did how would you even coming from that scene how did you even hear of well it was Sydney? well it was great because when I arrived here I bumped into Ali again I didn't even know I was here he was on a motorbike with a a police's <laughs> police uniform on and a police badge. It was totally bonkers, Ali. And I went, oh, I didn't know you were here. He said, yeah, let's do some music, lad. Come on, come round to my place and do some fucking music. So we started doing some uh, music together. But Sydney then, he had some brilliant bands. And it was just the beginning of the electronic scene. So um, it was a great time in Sydney for music. They had the Clan Analog, 
bands like the Deadly Hume, they were awesome. Um, and I think the singer, he was a percussionist from Hunters and Collectors, Greg. Yeah, so Sydney was really happening them musically. So we just hit here at the right time. You know, there's so much happening, so many venues. Yeah, was that a a 91, 92? Yeah, around that time, yeah, up until 96. I think that's when we released that first album that did well. And um, yeah, it was a great time. And at first, me and Ali were just doing little gigs, just take our speakers and just turn up at any coffee shop doing little gigs in Glebe or wherever not get, just getting paid in coffees so were you using were you writing off the back of the supports that you were the support gigs you you had in in Manchester when you came here were you telling people or were they happy Mondays and Stone Roses no not? We, we didn't tell anyone because it was like you just don't say that sort of thing because it's like pretentious in it it's like you just keep quiet it's like a whoopee do yeah <laughs> Oh, I'll tell you, I did a remix. This is funny. I did a remix for Nina Cherry, and I got paid £3,000. This is when we was doing good in Manchester. And the guy, um, I won't say his name, I think he was managing some big acts, and he come up to listen to the remix. And I took everything out, even a voice, and it was just a, a 303, an electronic 303 going... Woo, 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 woo. So I said, well, where's the voice? This... <laughs> This ain't a remix, and I said it's a reinterpretation. Now, will you go to the pub and get some hash and some drinks? And went, yeah, okay then. And he did. So good on him. He was great. So you know, have a good time. So, so me and Ali come here, and we basically started again. But we didn't mind. Was there any? Were there any cl- clubs open at that time? Or were you just playing warehouses Not and cafes and things? Anywhere warehouses. But the Bentley Bar was great. Uh, the guy who owned that was just let let anything happen, so that was good. Then Ali started promoting. The, he was great at promoting, so he started. He got the Bentley Bar happening. Loads of really good DJs, um, who were quite big now. I suppose I forget the names, but yeah, he sort of set a really good scene happening with the cricketers, the Bentley Bar. So there was a lot of venues. The Hopeton, yeah. You know what I mean? It was it was a great time for musicians, and because um, the the band scene it was a big band scene for yeah. a long time, and then yeah, the electronic the, music started to bleed into it. Yeah, you, you had loads of gigs at the universities, um, open air festivals, and yeah, everything. And the big what was it? Big day out. The big day out. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, there's just there's so much just happening. We were gigging every weekend. It's funny you say that off the off the cuff, but that big day out is was our biggest. I think Prodigy and Soundgarden, I think, oh, were headlining yeah. that year. Yeah, yeah. Previous to '97, um, Itchy and Scratchy. Yeah, were playing Severed Heads. Oh, Tom Allard, yeah, he's great. Well, he was really big in England. I think Australia just don't realise. Severed heads were massive in England, like Cabaret, on the same level as Cabaret Voltaire. And we used to live next to um, me and Ali, next to Tom Severed Heads, which is quite funny. Yeah, I've got some stories about, <laughs> about Tom that I won't talk about. But yeah, yeah, he yeah. used to get pissed off at us, saying, Look, can you be banging our door? Saying, Look, can you just sort of change the tempo of your tunes or just, just change it up a bit? Because we used to rehearse so loud. 
20 Tom, Tom was saying that. Yeah, because it would send you mental. Because we had big, like, basically a 1K rig in this terrace house. He was next door. It used to vibrate the whole street up. <laughs> but he, they were playing wild. Severed Heads were playing wild stuff. Yeah, but well, not at home. They, they were quite civilised. Oh, were they? Yeah, they, right. they were sensitive. Yeah, they were, good you know, Sydney boys. Good Sydney boys. Deadly Hume. Oh, that's right. Yeah. The, the pronunciation of Hume. Because of my dyslexia, it was um, one of my favourite bands was the Deadly Hume from Sydney. Um, Greg, who was uh, the percussionist from Hunters, Hunters and Collectors. Actually, the best band I've ever seen, I think. They were fantastic. You saw him the... at the Hopeton, yeah. I just walked in by accident and he was just there and it was just raw. I think the bass player was Bones. Few other people play hard oh, marvelous. I don't know whether you know. Probably need an international record label because it. I don't know about now because everything's on Spotify and streaming services. But then I think you probably needed a decent label behind you to get international. Or usually they go to London, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, that's what you. They'd be in London and going for it. Have you toured in in uh, New Zealand, or have you, have you played in New Zealand at no. all? <laughs> <laughs> I've, but I did get um, a few uh, radio stations gave us CD of the week. Yeah, I, I assume your music would be very popular over there. Yeah, it was um, good feedback from the last album. Actually, "Live and Love Your Life" you got some good feedback. That last album from New Zealand. But that was like 11 years ago was the last album because I stopped doing music and went mental. Someone was just sorry, someone was just looking through the door. You don't come for me, Abba. <laughs> yeah. So he's here. Right, Mr Fitzgerald. But yeah. Come with us. Finally. The birthday party. That's how it ends, that play. <laughs> Jeez. Right. Oh, man, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you've, you've come through and you've put out this. this yeah, music. and I'm still alive. Yeah. 
Let's play uh, this this one's in. The first one sound of the soul of the sound. Oh yeah, I like soul of the sound. Yeah, it's a beautiful yeah. it's, a, it's a classic dub track. Yeah. telling me that um, you're going to start gigging in maybe yeah. halfway through next year? Yeah, I'm doing this Asian tour um, of bars, cafes and seedy joints um, with the vocal album Beyond the Clouds. Mm-hmm. And when I get back, I'll be working on all the albums. Um, I've got a new album coming out the 1st of January on digital streaming services it's um, a tone beat collection i think it's called which is more the ups the up tempo stuff so yeah i just have to um, start you know programming so i can do all that stuff live Man, it's been an absolute pleasure. Yes, thanks, Josh. Yeah, I enjoyed it, man. And uh, let's let's go and I'll show you this uh, this scene that I was talking to you about. Really? Come out, let's see uh, some let's see some bands. I've got a couple of absolute yeah, yeah incredible bands. I love bands seeing good bands. I love it. Cool, man. Should we leave it there? Wonderful. Thank you very much, Josh. You're so welcome, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Cool.